What's up, you guys? This week, I'm doing something I've never done before. I'm re-releasing an episode. I recorded this one last year, almost to the day, and it was originally answering a question about Lyme disease prevention, but I ended up getting so much more into overall immune health, gut health, and everything I said is so relevant to what we're all experiencing and going through right now that rather than reinvent the wheel to just say the same things, I'm just going to re-release the podcast. Um, even if you listened to it last year, I encourage you to listen again. There's a lot of really important points that need to be underscored and stuff that we have to wrap our heads around. It's not just what we're doing, but it's also a mindset shift. So I go into germ theory a little bit and kind of trying to 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 shift out of this victim, something bad is happening, I have to run and hide into more of an understanding and a sense of empowerment and, and realizing how much control and power we have when it comes to our own bodies and our own health. And I do talk a little bit about vitamin D, just a heads up. It, um, I, next week, I'm going to be getting into so much more detail. You guys had a lot of questions from Instagram, and I'm going to answer every single one of those questions about vitamin D. So if you have some follow-up questions after this show, just tune in next week. Uh, I promise to get those all covered up. So we're cruising into Memorial Day weekend. I hope you all all enjoy the weekend. Get outside, get some sun. This episode will tell you exactly why that's all important. Hey guys, Aaron here. Solo episode. Uh, it's kind of a random subject, but I was thinking about it uh, this weekend. We were out doing yard work for like 72 hours straight. <laughs> so tired by the end of it. We've had such crap weather here that. Um, we like what we normally take a month to do we had to do in three days so anyway we were outside and I started thinking about our approach to ticks and Lyme prevention because this is like a pretty big deal and there's a lot of fear around it um, but it it's not something that I hyper focus on despite my experience with Lyme disease which is pretty profound um, when I was in high school my mom was diagnosed with Lyme and was absolutely debilitated by it. I mean, she was bedridden for two to three years. Um, at one point, she was in a wheelchair. It was really, really bad, and she's had an ongoing struggle with her health since then. Um, that was a long time ago. And when I was a senior in high school, I started getting some weird symptoms, um, neurological things where I like I've always been a super focused, good student and I was having a harder time concentrating. At the same time, my hands started to hurt. Like, you know, when you hold a pen for too long, you just get that like achy feeling in your hand. I got that in both hands. Um, and because my mom had been through the ringer with Lyme, she wanted me to get tested and she took me to her Lyme specialist. We live in, lived in Connecticut at the time and um, there's a, were a lot of Lyme literate doctors in Connecticut at the time. And the, the tricky thing about Lyme test is that there can be false negatives and false positives. It's really pretty tricky to like lock down a definitive diagnose, diagnosis, um, especially back then. And it was like sort of borderline, it could be Lyme since you have the symptoms, we're going to treat it. And I was put on antibiotics 
and was on and off antibiotics for four years. So you can imagine that did a number to my gut and to my immune system. And I look back and I wonder, this is my kind of thought. It's, I don't know. Um, I'm wondering if my symptoms were more a function of an undiagnosed gluten allergy. Um, I did find that later on in life when I was, I think, 25. Um, a doctor ran blood panels on me and I found out that I had a pretty severe gluten allergy. And gluten allergies can manifest a number of different ways, but some of the big ones are joint pain and neurological issues. So, you know, will I ever find out the answer to that? Absolutely not. But it's just something that I think about. Did I actually have Lyme disease or was it more a manifestation of um, something else going on? Either way, I don't take Lyme lightly because I've seen it um, tear apart people's health. Um, when you go and Google search how to prevent Lyme disease, the this is the very first thing you will see. The best way to prevent Lyme disease is to avoid areas where deer ticks live, especially wooded, bushy areas with long grass. Hey, guess what? I live in the woods. Um, and on top of that, I have a great love for the outdoors. And as I've discussed on the show before, being in nature is one of the ways that I support my overactive stress response, The one of the ways I support my health, and one of the tools I use to keep my autoimmune disease in remission. The way that I see it, the benefits of the outdoors far outweigh any drawbacks. Um, and I really don't want to live my life in fear of what could happen. And I certainly don't want to put that on my daughter. At the same time, I don't want to be reckless with my health. I don't want to be reckless with my family's health. With, with my family's health. So today I'm going to discuss how we approach Lyme prevention and overall immunity in my family. Um, I do want to make a note here. I, I'm not an expert on Lyme disease by any stretch, um, so I'm not going to pretend to be, but there's something that I, I, I have seen clinically that I want to point out. Um, this is particular, particularly true with chronic Lyme, so anyone that's dealing with this um, that happens to be listening, I, I, I do want to kind of shout you guys out. Post-treatment Lyme disease syndrome is a real thing. So oftentimes folks will go through these these intensive antibiotic treatments for Lyme and maybe get better uh, for a little bit and then end up feeling like they've got some long-lasting uh, symptoms. It often will present as fibromyalgia or chronic fatigue, very similar to, to one of those. Um, it's not uncommon for people who have Lyme disease and then end up with chronic Lyme to get a diagnosis of chronic fatigue syndrome or fibromyalgia. And a lot of this has to do with long-term antibiotic use and its effect on our mitochondria. Um, if you guys remember back in like, I don't know, middle school science, mitochondria are the organelles that live within the cell and they produce our energy, our ATP. Since they're responsible for producing energy, it makes sense that any damage to the mitochondria, any type of mitochondrial dysfunction is going to be directly related to fatigue. 
because there's not sufficient energy, right? When you have an energy deficit, when you have an energy crisis, it's going to manifest as fatigue in the body. Since mitochondria are very similar in structure from bacteria, it's actually the theory is that mitochondria evolved from bacteria, they're super susceptible to damage from antibiotics. Um, there's a study that was published in 2013, and the title of the study is Back, uh, Bactericidal, can't say that word, um, basically bacteria, uh, bacterial antibiotics induce mitochondrial dysfunction and oxidative damage in mammalian cells. Wow, that was a mouthful, and I butchered it. Whatever. Um, but basically, the study showed that antibiotics impaired mitochondrial function, so damaged the mitochondria and impaired their function in only four days. So if you think about it, you know, most people are on antibiotics longer than four days, but it doesn't take very long for the mitochondria to be directly impacted. So we have to pay attention to that, right? If we're on antibiotics long term, it's going to affect our mitochondria, which in turn is going to affect our energy. Um, I do want to point out, this is kind of cool, um, the researchers in that study, that very same study, were able to restore mitochondrial function, energy production, ATP production, um, and reduce free radicals by supplementing with N-acetylcysteine, it's also known as NAC, N-A-C, prior to antibiotic use. So that's a kind of cool thing in my eyes and something to for sure consider if you do have to take antibiotics for whatever reason. Um, supplementing with NAC ahead of time may reduce the damage to your mitochondria. Um, I also like NAC. It's a precursor to glutathione, so it's great for detoxification. It's great for mitochondrial function. Um, it's also a biofilm disruptor uh, for people who are trying to deal with gut dysfunction. So I really like that supplement for a number of different reasons. But figure that was a cool thing to toss out there. Um, uh, one of the reasons that I like an organic acid test, I know I've talked about that on the show before, um, is because it shows several different mitochondrial markers. So it kind of can show how is the health of your mitochondria? How how are things going there? Um, and if you do an oat test and it comes back that things aren't firing on all cylinders, if, if those values are lower than they should be, um, there are certain nutrients that you can um, that you can supplement with in order to restore function. Vitamin C is one, magnesium, CoQ10, alpha lipoic acid, glutathione, and L-carnitine are all um, really important for mitochondrial function. I also would suggest if you do have um, chronic Lyme, post-Lyme situation, fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue, um, I recommend that you watch Terry Wall's Minding Your Mitochondria uh, TED Talk. I will post the link to that in the show notes. Dr. Terry Walls is a physician who um, has reversed her MS through diet and lifestyle. And her TED Talk is all about that um, and why the mitochondria are so important and what you can do to support them. Um, spoiler alert, it's going to involve eating a lot of fruits and veggies, like a lot of them. Um, and also nutrient-dense foods, like things like organ meats that we don't typically eat. So um, I just wanted to kind of throw that out there because it's some um, – 
good information that's not really necessarily being talked a whole lot about. Um, all right, so in order to explain my approach to health and prevention, I have to first start off by discussing germ theory, which, you know, I'm if you haven't heard of germ theory, you know of it because it's basically modern medicine. Um, it's the idea that microorganisms known as germs or pathogens cause disease. So in other words, you get bit by a tick, the tick releases a bacteria, the bacteria infects you and makes you sick. That's germ theory. Louis Pasteur, who you definitely know, was the father of germ theory. He had a colleague named Claude Bernard who challenged the theory by asking, hey, what actually causes more disease? Is it the germ or is it the person who has the germ? Is it the microbe or is it the terrain? Bernard, his whole thing was that the person's internal environment plays more of an important role in health. Um, so it's not so much like is uh, getting in contact with a germ, but like is your internal environment healthy enough to protect you against that germ? And this really kind of attempts to answer the question, why do some people get sick and some don't? right? How can two people get bit by a bacteria harboring tick? One gets Lyme disease and the other one doesn't, right? It probably has a lot to do with the person's terrain, what's going on inside. Um, there is a rumor, and I don't know if this is true and we'll probably never know, but it sure as hell makes the story fun to tell, that old Louis on his deathbed said the microbe is nothing, the terrain is everything. So he kind of like went back on germ theory and said, my old buddy Claude was right. The terrain is everything. Either way, whether that's true or not, the way that I see it is we can live in fear of every microbe, every bacteria, every pathogen, every germ out there, or we can take responsibility for our own health and take steps to nurture our own internal terrain. We have to support our immune system. And we also have to support our gut because diverse and abundant microbes are our terrain. We, you know, the gut microbiome, we've heard a lot about gut health um, in previous years, and, and that's great. The gut... Part of the gut is the gut microbiome, and that refers to all the living things that are in our large intestines, all the bacteria, the fungus, the viruses, all the stuff. There's anywhere between two to six pounds of things sitting inside your large intestine. And in fact, 99% of genetic material in your body is not even your own. It actually belongs to your bacteria and the stuff living in your gut. So suffice it to say, it's important. It's a big deal. And it's something that we really should be nurturing and taking care of. Because without them, without those bacteria, without that microbiome, we don't really have a functioning immune system. Those bacteria are responsible for so many things. Um, as it relates to the immune system, it, it those bacteria actually train and regulate the immune system. So the immune system 
responds appropriately. Um, it controls certain cells of the immune system. It can prevent autoimmunity. Those bacteria help to regulate the body's inflammatory pathways, which is so important because most, if not all, disease is rooted in inflammation. And if you have inflammation kind of running amok in your body, you're going to be more susceptible to pathogens, um, to disease. Uh, those bacteria serve as a physical barrier against potential invaders like harmful bacteria, harmful pathogens, viruses, parasites, all that kind of gnarly stuff. It also helps to support detoxification, gets toxins out of our body. Um, those bacteria also produce and release very important enzymes, vitamins, neurotransmitters, fatty acids, amino acids. Um, they produce vitamin K, B12, biotin. I'm saying that with emphasis because I have seen like such an uptick in in people taking biotin. Um, I, I would say like probably like 60% of my health history intake forms of my clients, um, they're taking biotin. Like that's a lot of people. <laughs> and I'm like, cool, you're taking biotin for hair, skin, and nails. But what you really need to do is fix your gut. So your own bacteria produce biotin for you. Um, they also produce short-chain fatty acids, things like butyrate, which is so helpful to modulate the immune system. Um, so it's really important for overall health, for overall immunity, to support the bacteria that are living in our gut. And unfortunately, getting good gut health isn't as simple as taking a probiotic. I hate to break it to you. Um, it always makes me, when I talk about this, it always makes me think of the Beatles song, Happiness is a Warm Gun, because I always think to my <laughs> to myself, gut health is a probiotic. I feel like that's how the average American thinks about it. It's like, oh, well, I'm taking my, my probiotic, so I'm, I'm good, right? Um, most of my private practice is dedicated to microbiome restoration, and I am telling you straight up and down, it is not as simple as taking a probiotic, but you can try it. Good luck out there. Um... There's no doubt that Lyme and other tick-borne illnesses are on the rise. Like that is, that's the truth. But I have to question, is it for the same reason that chronic illness and autoimmunity are on the rise? Is it the ticks that we need to be worried about? Is it, is it being out in tall grass that we need to be, to be worried about? Or is it more of a systemic issue like what's happening internally with us? The fact of the matter is we are living in an evolutionary mismatch. Humans have co-evolved with the microbial world over millions of years. We have coexisted with bacteria. Um, we now spend so much time indoors. We spend so much time in sterile environments. We clean with bleach. We dose our bodies with antibiotics. We wash our hands with anti bacterial soap. We eat food that no longer resembles actual food. Like goldfish crackers, you guys, super delicious, but they're not the foods that our genes and our bodies are used to. So essentially, we've strayed from the stimulus that our genes have come to expect, and this has led to chronic illness, immune system dysfunction, overall inflammation just run amok in our bodies. Rene Dubow, he is, is it Dubow, Dubose? D-U-B-O-S. I do not speak French. 
Dubose. Dubose? Silent S? Eh. Kyle's not here to help me out. Um, she couldn't help me out here, let's be honest. Anyway, he was a famous microbiologist and early pioneer in developmental origins of health and disease. Um, he actually developed the first clinically tested antibiotic. And he warned of the dangers of germ theory 50 years ago. So germ theory, we're like, oh, the germs are killing us. Therefore, we need to kill all the germs. That's kind of like what we do, right? Kill all the germs. Be afraid of all the germs. And what Renee said, and I, every single time I read this quote, my hair stands on end. It just gives me the chills because it's so spot on. Um, he said, man himself has emerged from a line descent that began with microbial life. He is dependent not only on other human beings and on the physical world, but also on other creatures, animals, plants, microbes that have evolved together with him. Man will ultimately destroy himself if he thoughtlessly eliminates the organisms that constitute essential links in the complex and delicate web of life of which he is part. Basically, our microbiomes are reflective of what's going on in the outside world. We're getting sick because the bacteria in our guts are not thriving. We're losing species. We're losing diversity. We're losing abundance. This is a direct reflection of what we're like. We're essentially killing off our environment. We're essentially killing off our ecosystems. There has been a 57% reduction in all wildlife on the planet since 1970. Let that sink in for a minute. So what Renee said is that we co-evolved with all of these other creatures, with all of this bacteria, with these animals, with these plants, with everything around us. Like we are so reliant on all of that in order to thrive. And yet we're killing off all of those things. Well, guess what? When we kill off those things, we start to kill off ourselves. We kill off our own bacteria. We're losing species on the actual planet, but we're also losing species within our own guts. The less diverse, the less abundant we get, the sicker we get. And we are seeing this play out in real time, my homies. Like it is happening. The less our immune system can defend itself against pathogens, right? Whether that's pathogenic microbes, germs, whatever. The, the less diversity we have, the sicker we get, the less our immune system functions. It's bad deal. So... To summarize all that, I don't mean to be like super Debbie Downer, but I mean, this is something that we're overlooking on the reg. Um, two things that I would tell someone to do to better support their health. Like if I had to only say like, the, do these two things, if nothing else, do these two things to support health uh, and, and overall immunity. It would be one, clean up your diet. Like obviously, I'm a nutritionist. I'm going to say that. But also, ironically, number two would be spend more time outdoors. We need exposure to microbes in the soil. We have to breathe in the air of different ecosystems. We have to get a little more dirty and a lot less sterile. Um, we know that time spent in nature um, helps to modulate our immune system and reduce our stress response, which in turn supports our gut and our immune system and like literally every other aspect of our health. Um, forests in particular have been studied. Go on PubMed and type in forest bathing and you'll see some really cool studies of 
just the like the immediate effect that being in the wilderness has on our bodies. You know what's really cool? Um, you know, sleep disturbance is is a is a big issue. Not not everyone has great sleep. There's a lot of um insomnia, people are waking up throughout the night, our circadian rhythms are off. It's because we're not, you know, ideally we're going to be exposed to the sunlight, to natural light. And then when the sun goes down, all other light goes down and, and where it's like super backwards. We spend all day inside and then we have lights on and we have the blue light that affects our production of melatonin. So our circadian rhythm is like totally thrown off. And then there's some cool research to say that if you go camping, and I don't know if it's like one night of camping, two nights of camping, specifically what the research is. I should have looked at it before I started recording. Um, but you can reset your circadian rhythm. You can reset your own internal clock. Um, and for those of you guys who do camp, you totally know what – what. Um, immediate effect and benefit it has on your body. So point is like we got to be outside more. And the problem is that we're we're so afraid to do it. We're super afraid of being outdoors. And this is a problem for a number of different reasons, one of which is that when we do go outside, we're so covered up that we're not getting appropriate vitamin D. And vitamin D is one of the most immune-regulating nutrients that we can get. Um, I'm not going to go into huge detail here. I've already picked this, this whole topic apart several times over. So what I'll do is link to two blogs that I wrote in the show notes. One is Guide to Safe Sunscreen. And the other one is vitamin D in safe sun exposure. So those are two blogs that I wrote. And then we also recorded a podcast last year. It's episode 27 um, that talks all about safe sun exposure and vitamin D and supplementation and, and all that good stuff. Um, but basically, in summary, there's only two natural ways to get vitamin D. One is through diet. There are certain foods that naturally contain small amounts of vitamin D, things like fatty fish, so salmon, sardines, mackerel, tuna, um, raw, full-fat dairy, like grass-fed, organic, full-fat dairy. Um, cod liver oil is another one. Egg yolks from pastured chickens, so like super healthy chickens, and also beef liver. Those are all natural sources of vitamin D, and chances are you're not eating many of those foods on the reg. Those are not really foods that our culture eats. So um, we do have to supplement a lot of our processed food with synthetic vitamin D, which is not quite the same. Um, the other way to naturally get vitamin D is through the sun's UVB rays because our skin will naturally produce vitamin D when it's exposed to a pinking dose of sunlight. Um, and if you want to learn more about this, check out the resources that I just threw out there because I go into a lot of detail about all this stuff. Um, basically, the the vitamin D that we produce on our own through the sun is really the gold standard of the nutrient. So because of this, I actually do expose myself and my family to the sun without sunscreen. Um, we do it in a safe, methodical way. But that's one of the ways that I choose to... Um, kind of, once again, give my genes the stimulus that it needs and get my body the requisite nutrients and support my immune system and all that 
fun stuff. So this is really the approach that I take to quote unquote Lyme prevention. It's more about how do we support our overall health and immune system and gut microbiome and less about being scared shitless of ticks. Um, to, to kind of summarize what I do in my household with myself and my family, because as you guys know, I have an autoimmune disease, which means my daughter has the genetics for autoimmunity. So it's not something that I take lightly. The first thing is we eat a very nutrient-dense anti-inflammatory diet. Um, so limited sugar. We don't do gluten. We do virtually no processed food, not a whole lot of processed carbs, um, no refined vegetable oils, those man-made synthetic oils. Um, Hattie and myself don't do dairy. I'll talk about on an upcoming show that I went through um, some testing with her because she was having some health issues and ended up taking her off of dairy. So I'll, I'll get into more of the details on a different show because I, you guys have asked about that before. Um, you know, dairy, it can be a, a superfood for some people and not so much for other people. So you kind of have to discern what's appropriate for you. But nutrient-dense diet, anti-inflammatory diet, um, you know, listen to the podcast, follow me on Instagram. You can, you'll learn more about what we eat that way. There's a lot, it's super high in, in antioxidants. We eat a lot of fruits. We eat a lot of veggies. Um, I do get the fruit question often, like, you know, is it possible to eat too much fruit? And that is super contextual. It depends on what's going on with you and your blood sugar and all that kind of stuff. In terms of kids, my I, I'm like load them up on the fruit. It it honestly shocks me how many parents are concerned with with. And this is not a judgment. I want to preface this by saying this is not a judgment on parents. It's more of like how ass backwards we are, like our food culture is that we ask these questions. But so many parents are like withholding fruit. And my own my own family did this. My brother, Michael, loved fruit growing up. And they were like, you can't eat that much fruit, Michael. But like that we, that we would get like bagels and Triscuits instead. Like that's fine. But that's kind of like we have this like weird fruit fear. So we're like, well, we can't give my kids too much fruit, but here are the goldfish crackers in the Cheerios. Like that's fine, but don't eat too many mangoes. It's really, really bonkers. Fruit, especially for kiddos and especially for picky eaters who don't eat a lot of vegetables, fruit is a necessity. It's going to give you a ton of antioxidants, a ton of nutrients, a ton of micronutrients. Like fruit is is a good thing to eat again especially if you don't consume whether you or your children don't consume a lot of vegetables so go um, don't worry so much about the fruit so that's kind of like our our overall approach is that we do a lot of um, healthy foods right we spend a lot of time outdoors we also do a lot of downtime so we are not the overscheduled family and again this is not a critique on anybody else it's just what's right for us we I, I'm really really um, kind of a stickler about giving our ourselves a lot of rest relaxation and just downtime where things aren't scheduled, right? Where we're just kind of like bumming around the house for a weekend or whatever that might look like. We just need, 
our our weeks are go 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 like so many of you guys and we need some some rehab time you know and i i just i want also want to teach that to my daughter that like it's okay to like chill out and like relax um so those are some of the things that we do we also prioritize sleep majorly um if you guys follow me on instagram and by the way you absolutely should head over there aaron holt health yeah at Erin Holt Health, um, you know that my kid has not historically been a great sleeper. She's almost five, and like there are still some nights. Last week, she was up at three thirty a.m. for the day. <laughs> so, so we really prioritize sleep. I try to get at least eight hours a night. Um, that's so freaking important for immune health. And then on top of that, we do some additional support. So things like vitamin C powder. Um, this is like all three of us take this vitamin C powder. Seeking Health makes a great one. I'll link to that in the show notes. Um, we'll do liposomal vitamin C. My my husband and myself, we did organic acid tests last, actually this fall, we were dealing with some mold issues and we were really depleted. Vitamin C and B vitamins were really depleted. So we ramp up vitamin C like, whoa, in my house. And both of us just seem to feel a lot better when we're like, mega dosing on vitamin C. Um, also fat soluble vitamins A, D, E, K. I take a supplement that has um, emulsified fat soluble vitamins. It's from Apex Energetics. It's a practitioner brand, so I won't link to that one in the show notes, but I really like that one. Cod liver oil is a great bet because it has those naturally containing immune regulating fat soluble vitamins. It's, you know, I would say the the average American is probably deficient in those vitamins, um, those fat soluble vitamins. So if you're not getting them through diet, um, by eating organ meats and things like that, then it probably makes sense to supplement with them. Um, and then so that's really it. Like that is the the overall gist. We are supporting our overall body, our overall immune system. We're supporting our gut health by doing all of those things that I just discussed, getting a lot of variety in our food. We do some probiotic support once in a while. We eat fermented foods. We eat a lot of prebiotics, the fibers that feed the bacteria um, and and support ourselves that way. And then in terms of like actual tick bite prevention, you know, I'm not trying to be a knucklehead about it. So when we go outside, I do, I make my own uh, bug sprays just using some combination of essential oils. For ticks, I, I tend to use some combo of geranium, cedarwood, lemongrass, lavender, maybe some eucalyptus. I I usually just do like a Google search and I'm like, what's good for ticks? And then I combine it in um, a glass bottle with water and a little bit of vodka. In fact, I was making some this weekend. <laughs> Hattie, I like pulled out the Tito's. Hattie's like, what are you doing? She, what is that? I'm like, I'm making our bug spray with vodka. And so she ran outside and she brought it to Scott and she was like, let me spray you with some vodka, dad. <laughs> He's like, what even goes on with you two inside that house? Um, and, you know, in terms of where to buy the essential oils, I'm sure you know somebody that's selling them. Um, typically, I'll get them. I, I, I buy from Young Living. I also buy from doTERRA. But I also um, will 
Go to the Mustard Seed, a local, I've talked about that on the show before. It's in Nottingham, New Hampshire. It's a local store. Um, They sell them in bulk. And then Mountain Rose Herbs also sells essential oils in bulk. So you could check them out. They're far more affordable than other other places you could get them. But like, you know, do your thing. Um, So we'll spray down, especially our legs, we'll spray down with with the essential oils and then we always do a full tick check when we get inside so like strip naked and just you know kind of like pat each other down it's good old-fashioned bonding um and I've talked about this before on my blog but um astragalus is an herb that we also use. Now, this comes from Stephen Buner, who is an herbalist. He wrote a book called Healing Lime. He's for sure a Lyme expert um, and knows quite a bit about Lyme disease. So if you're looking for more resource resources, I would check out his stuff. I'll link to his book, Healing Lime, in the show notes. Um, but he recommends astragalus to optimize immune function and to take kind of prophylactically to just enhance immune function so um, you're less apt to get infected when you do get bit by a a Lyme, um, by a tick. Um, So his recommendation is to take 1,000 milligrams per day. This is for adults, 1,000 milligrams per day, and then ramp it up to 3,000 milligrams during Lyme season. And I've talked to uh, quite a bit of naturopaths and herbalists about this. And everybody that I've spoken with has said that you can take astragalus long term. It's not one of those herbs that you have to pulse in and out of. So that might be something to work into your rotation. Um, this winter, I posted my immune boosting hot chocolate recipe, which has astragalus powder in it. Um, and I'm also going to link to a new recipe. I kind of like did a spin-off of that recipe to create a moon-boosting chocolate shake for the summertime, and I also add astragalus powder to that. So we drink that. You can throw astragalus powder right into a smoothie. You can also buy the capsules. Um, I'll link to the capsules and also the tincture. So there's multiple ways to get the herb into your system. Um, you can also buy astragalus root and just like throw it into soups and stews or make your own teas. There's a lot of ways to get the herbs in, but I, I would definitely say that could be something to implement um, on it as an ongoing basis. And then in terms of uh, treatment, if you do get a tick bite, Stephen Buner recommends ramping up the astragalus to 3,000 milligrams for uh, 30 days, and then decreasing the dose to a thousand milligrams. Um, he also talks about making a little bit of a um, like a, a he. What's the word I'm looking for? Polis, polis. I know how to I know how to say, uh, like read it. I don't know how to say it out loud. Um, but basically, taking andrographic. Andrographis tincture, that's an herbal tincture, and mixing it with some green clay together, you make a paste and then apply that paste to the tick bite um, as a way to prevent an active infection. So that's kind of a cool tip. So it might be helpful to have both of those things on hand in case you do get a tick bite, you can just throw that situation on. Um, the, The recommendation across the board, both conventional medicine and alternative medicine, is that get on antibiotics at the very first sign of a bull's eye rash. The tricky part about that is that only 30 to 50% of Lyme infections present with that telltale 
bullseye rash. So um, it's not the, you know, you could still get Lyme or a co-infection without getting the rash. Um, what you want to pay attention to and look out for is any type of flu-like symptoms. So fevers, headaches, generalized aching um, in the body, painful joints. Those are really common early symptoms. So if you notice something like that kind of all pop off all of a sudden, that's really something to pay attention to. Body communication is so huge. Pay attention to your body. If you're feeling those type of symptoms and you've been exposed to the outdoors, get in to see your doctor, you know, it makes sense to get on antibiotics. I know that we we overuse antibiotics a lot in modern medicine, but you know, it's my opinion and many others that this is not something you want to fool around with. Um, get on the antibiotics if you start to notice symptoms. And then if you go on the antibiotics and they don't work, that's when you can start um, looking into Stephen Buhner's work with herbs and some next steps there. So that's it, you guys. My, I thought this was going to be like a 15-minute episode. I'm like, I'll just jump on the mic and talk for a few minutes. Um, that's my thought around Lyme disease, Lyme prevention, and all that jazz. I hope you find it helpful. I've got every resource that I just mentioned to you. I will make sure to link to everything I just talked about in the show notes because I know I just threw a lot of stuff at you. So that's it. I will catch you next week. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Functional Nutrition Podcast. If you'd like to submit a question to the show, fill out the contact form at erinholthealth.com. If you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe and leave a review in iTunes. Take care of you.